When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Maynard. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Coming to you live on our YouTube channel and on bellyup.tv. Make sure you catch us on demand when you download the Foxy Network app on Roku, LG, Samsung, and several other platforms. 
or you can just stay up to date with the show while you're on the go. When you download us on your favorite podcast app, we're available everywhere. Please give us a five-star review. It greatly helps out the show. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I got my co-host back because it is Thursday night. So we got Chris Dahauer back in the building and Brian Scott joining us again for the first few minutes of the show to talk about some injury updates. That's right. We're back for Clairvoyant Thursday, the second half of the fantasy football preview for week two. And I, I just want to start with this. I hate technology. You're seeing a green screen behind me if you're watching YouTube right now. And this is literally what it says. It says, this feature does not support virtual background. Please switch to Google Chrome. Guess what? I don't use anything else besides Google Chrome. So this is just, you know, whatever. This is my day. But this show will still be great for you guys. I guarantee that. I don't, I don't even want to waste time here. Let's just go ahead and kick this thing off with the injury inquiries. Injury inquiries. Oh, oh, oh. That was a full drop. That was supposed to play yesterday. Got cut <laughs> off, Brian, by the way. Uh, I love it. <laughs> so first and foremost, we didn't get to talk about it yesterday because we're talking about Dallas today anyway. So Dak Prescott, Thumb. Here, I got a couple questions for you on this, though, before, you, before we get into it. Yeah. You think he can actually get back in four weeks and – if he does, will this be similar to what Russell Wilson did last year where he came back but was never really able to be himself? So there's been quite a few quarterbacks that have had thumb injuries that required surgery and made it back to play in a fairly quick time frame. But most of them have not come back within four, three or four weeks. I think that's a little bit optimistic on the part of Jerry Jones. Not unrealistic, I think... It could be done, but I'm not really sure exactly what was done with his surgery. I've heard conflicting reports. Uh, I've read places where it says that he had basically an avulsion fracture, which is akin to like a ligament injury where the bone just kind of chips off. I've heard other reports that said he actually has hardware that was placed in the thumb, like a plate and screws to fix it. And that really kind of dictates to me what the timeline potentially could be. The most recent example I could kind of compare it to would be Drew Brees a few years ago before he retired, had a similar thumb injury, and he made it back in five weeks and played. And it was on his throwing hand. Um, it definitely is going to affect your game. You're not going to be able to grip the ball you normally would. There's no doubt about it. Not not within you know three, four weeks. Five, six weeks, uh, you're probably getting pretty close. But again, it really depends on what they had to do to repair this surgically. Was it a fracture of the bone where they just plate and, put plate and screws, like hardware to hold it together? Or was it more of that ligament-type injury where the fracture occurred because the ligament was damaged? And that's a little bit different type of fixation that sometimes requires a little bit more healing time before you let them start stressing it. So, you know, with any type of fracture, you're not going to see a significant amount of healing on x-rays typically at the four-week mark. So that's why sometimes... You have to wait till six weeks, but guys will feel pretty good. They may be able to start pushing it and start doing things with that hand at four weeks. But, you know, that's very, very optimistic. That's like an ideal scenario. Um, and it's well, not common. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But can it be done? I mean, yeah, sure, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess Dak's a pretty good healer. I mean, he came back pretty well from his ankle fracture a couple of years ago, played well last year with it. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll kind of have to see. I mean, he was at practice today. Uh, there's video footage of him helping out uh, Cooper Rush. He was he was present in there. He had a certain, you know, a splint on his uh, thumb. 
looked like he was in good spirits. So, you know, maybe it was some good news that came out of the procedure, uh, hopefully for him. Um, I, well, I, think I do know, Brian, and maybe you can speak to this more, but they didn't want up putting a pin in his thumb. Could you could you elaborate on what that really means? Yeah, you're like the second or third person that told me that, and I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, so when, when, you, when you say that term to me, what it means, like, so sometimes if, depending on the nature of the injury, sometimes we'll put literally like pins, like wires, uh, in to stabilize the bones. Um, that... If he if they did that, that usually is left external. That means that they're gonna remove it at Which some they, point. They did they like didn't a temporary way to fix it. So I'm assuming they didn't do that. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, it, the other way to fix fractures is you you go you open the skin and, and tissue up. You go down to the bone and you literally fix it with hardware like screws and plates and other types of things. Ligament injuries are more. You treat it with special type of suture materials. You basically have to reconstruct the damaged ligaments. Sometimes you use these little things called anchors uh, where the uh, sutures are attached to them and they basically bring down the soft tissue and secure it and stabilize the joint if that's where the injury was. So there was there is a many different kind of things that can be done depending on, again, it really depends on what exactly the injury was, what structures within the or around the thumb, which bones, which joints, um, it gets a lot more complicated, you know, and, and like a lot of the, the, the stuff you hear in the press is, is very generic. So it's hard to really gauge, but you know, I uh, can, I mean, can, I think that's just Jerry Jones being Jerry Jones, you know, most um, likely <laughs> he's the uh, Pete Carroll of owners. Like there's, yeah. that's not a question. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, they didn't put him on IR. So I guess they're feeling good with whatever they found. And he did have surgery right away. He had surgery Monday afternoon after right. a Sunday night game. So that's pretty darn quick. So, they, you know, they optimized his his healing time. They optimized his recovery time by doing that. Tells me that there probably wasn't a lot of swelling, so they were able to get to it very quick. And that's all that does is kind of push up his timetable. So that's a good thing. I mean, you know, could he do it? Maybe. I'm not. I'm not so sure he's going to be back in four. I'm guessing more toward the five. You know, five weeks would be great. I mean, if Drew Brees could come back in five. I can't see any reason why Dak couldn't come back in five. Um, but, you know, again, it depends on what they did. It's going to be anyway between minimum five, at least six, probably. So what about when the 49ers injuries? we got Elijah Mitchell. He goes on IR with an MCL spring. He's out for eight weeks. And then if you just have a George Kittle update, um, so far he hasn't been practicing yet. Yeah, um, you know, I didn't have one. I didn't get a chance to update stuff today because I, I was busy at work. I was running around all over the place. But, um, yeah, he hadn't practiced, uh, I think, all week. You know, a uh, smart move sitting him out uh, this past weekend. I mean, that would have been a disaster coming back and playing in Chicago in, in that weather. Yeah. Really. Um, and, you know, he's dealing with a groin hamstring. We talked about that uh, last night. You know, these are injuries that are tough to treat. They take a long time to get better. Um, I don't think they're going to force him out there if he's not 100% ready to go and at least able to participate on a limited basis in practice, to be honest. Um, these are one of those things that they could linger for a long time into the season if you don't take care and treat it right now. So... Um, if if you don't see him doing at least some limited work this week, I'd find it hard to believe that he's going to play. And even if he does, uh, I don't think he's going to be very effective like he normally would. Yeah, I, quick, I, I don't see Drew Kittle playing. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say real quick, Brian, did you uh, have a take on Elijah Mitchell missing the eight games for a spring MCL? That seemed kind of odd to me. That's not usually an injury that somebody's out for eight weeks for. I mean, I'm not an expert like you are, but it just kind of seemed like a, a weird number. Um, it tells me that he probably had a really significant MCL injury. Uh, because that ligament is not, you know, it can be surgically repaired. Um, it's not like the ACL where it has to be reconstructed. Although I have 
been involved in procedures where we do reconstruct the MCL. Those are usually not sports type of injuries. Those are usually like very high level trauma injuries, car accidents, things like that. Could um, he probably got at least a grade two, you know, which means he's got significant tearing of that ligament. And it's a very broad, flat ligament on the inside part of the knee. It's a very difficult ligament to repair. It takes it takes a while to heal. Um, and it usually requires several weeks of just prolonged immobilization and sometimes non-weight bearing. And that's what really slows the rehab down is you have to really keep the guy off it, keep him locked up in a brace for a while before they can start doing therapy. And so that was, that's what usually prolongs the, re, the recovery process. For the more mild kind of grade one MCL sprains that are not too bad, you can get them, they can keep walking. They don't necessarily have to be locked up in a brace and they can start the therapy a little quicker. So I think that's why they put that eight-week time frame in there. And I knew it was serious right away because they got an MRI I, I think immediately after the injury and um, they basically came out like the next day and were like, yeah, he's out for eight weeks. He's on uh, IR <laughs> or whatever. And yeah, you know, so that was a pretty quick turnaround. And that told me that was pretty significant injury. Uh, what do you think about T Higgins? He's got the concussion issue. He didn't practice today, but they listed as a personal reason why he didn't practice today. Yesterday is limited capacity and they seem pretty yeah. optimistic yesterday. Yeah, I, I noticed that too on the practice reports. Um, not sure what that was all about. Uh, you know, concussions are are a very subjective thing. Uh, there are some objective tests that they run as part of the concussion protocol in the NFL, which requires uh, uh, the training staff and the medical staff to do evaluations throughout the course of the days um, after the injury and leading up to the next game. Um, and they're pretty strict about it. So he, you know, if he doesn't meet the criteria to move on to the next kind of step, uh, then he won't be suited up and playing. Um, but with concussions, he's going to have to do some type of physical activity before he gets cleared. That's just part of the pro- protocol. So if he's if he didn't practice today for personal reasons, but he li- was limited yesterday, that's a good sign. That means he's already been doing something. Right. And if he can get through that stuff limited, and then he can get back out full contact and practice, and the chances are he'll be playing. It sounds like it's a pretty, pretty good uh, chance that he will be. Um, we'll have to see what happens tomorrow. Uh, Rondale Moore, he's trying to come back from the hamstring injury. What do you think his chances are of suiting up on Sunday? Yeah, I didn't get a chance to follow up on what uh, or if uh, they came out with the MRI results on him. He had a pretty significant hamstring injury. They, they never so released much... him. Kingsbury never said what they were. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that, I mean, <laughs> so just the fact that they got an MRI in his hamstring is concerning. I mean, that means it was pretty significant. And like we talked about, and like I mentioned, it was, it was negative. It was negative. Yeah, I don't, okay. I don't, it was I don't negative, know. yes. I don't know what that means. Negative doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, well, they basically they find thing, if they find things severe, they said he's basically day to day. That was their update from the thing that there was nothing you know found on the X-rays that was severe. It's a regular hamstring. They're still kind of resting his day to day as a result of that. Yeah, that that strikes me as an he odd. He wasn't back at practice today. Yeah, and that no. that sounds that's more what I expect that he's not going to be. Right. Uh, I mean, that's not a typical kind of description on on hamstring injury that required an MRI. Like guys just don't all of a sudden go from an MRI of a hamstring to oh he's good he's day to day we we might be ready to play you know this weekend. That's not typically how that goes down. Uh, usually these things if you're if you're hurt enough that you had to get an MRI of your hamstring that tells me that this is going to be a while. Uh, I, I until you see him out there doing anything, I don't expect him back anytime soon. And last but not least, Alan Lazard practiced limited capacity Wednesday and today. Yeah. What's his chance to suit up on Sunday? Uh, it's, it sounds good. Um, I mean, two days of practice, that's a good sign. That means he probably didn't have much swelling or discomfort after yesterday's practice and was able to go get through it today. Um, he could be a game-time decision. Uh, it depend, you know, they haven't re- Again, they haven't really been very clear about how significant this injury was and whether it was 
an ankle sprain or a, a high ankle sprain, regular low ankle sprain. They, all they said was he got stepped on. So uh, hard to really kind of predict that one. But um, the fact that he got through two practices today, uh, the last this week already is a good sign. And uh, chances are he'll probably be in, maybe see some limited action, but might not be as effective as he normally would be. If he- well, thank you, Brian, so much. That I mean, we have a much shorter Thursday injury report than we did Wednesday, so that that's the good news there. What, where can people follow you at one more time? And then also, what do you got going on this weekend? We should be looking out for. I'm just doing another update show on Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Uh, with TSS Fantasy, so you guys can get Tracking the last minute. Uh, in- <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to plug. <laughs> it's another belly up uh, podcast though, right? and yes, the it show, so it's okay. Uh, but I'll be on, uh, on there Sunday morning doing some last minute uh, updates. Um, but Chris had a had a had a question earlier. So oh yeah, I can right, touch sorry, on that. Uh, and Chris, uh, uh, go ahead. Just remind me what your question was. Uh, something about yeah. the practice uh, schedules. Wait, you're talking, you're, you're talking about the limited and the limited and Al Lazard. And I think a lot of times you know, people are kind of reacting to the reports that we're hearing. So if somebody practices on a Wednesday, for example, and they or, you know downgraded quote unquote to a do not practice or a limited practice from having a full practice. Um, you know, Wednesday's practice typically right now is just like a walkthrough. Thursday's kind of a, a, a debatable day where sometimes it's a veteran day off. It's not. How do you kind of, you know, read those reports and how to kind of navigate them? Yeah, you know, it, it's changed a lot over the years. I mean, wh- when I was younger, you know, it used to be uh, Monday was the off day. They were, you know, travel day sometimes. Tuesday was also kind of like a slow day. Sometimes they just do film and review and preparations for the upcoming week. Wednesday, Thursday typically were like the full kind of practice days where they go all out. And then Friday, well, again, was like a walkthrough, possibly a travel day. Saturday, again, you know, you arrive in the city, possibly walkthrough maybe some light practice. So things have kind of changed over the years as far as the, the schedules go. It might be you know a little bit different. But what I'm, what I'm really looking for is um, you have to take into effect, account the, the athlete, their history of injury. You have to take into account the timing in the season uh, and where the team's sitting in, the, in their standings and you know what type of player is this. Is this a veteran? Is this an older guy who maybe has been in the league for several years? Uh, or is this a young rookie? who's kind of looking at himself uh, as a starter and a, you know, a foundation of the team. Um, and then I kind of look at more, okay, well, what did they do today? Right. Um, you know, like we talked about Julio Jones yesterday, he didn't practice big deal. Like Julio's 12 year vet. He's 33 years old. He plays receiver. He looked great this past weekend. They said it was a knee injury. He never showed any signs of it during the game. I'm not too worried about a guy like that. I'm not putting much stock in that injury report, but by the rules, they have to put him in if he didn't practice. So, um, you'll see guys pop up on the injury list sometimes throughout the week. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad thing. It just means that they may have had to do it by rule. When they see limited, it usually means that they're not going all out. They're doing something either on the side. Maybe they're doing some rehab stuff with the training staff or doing some stuff with the strength conditioning coach on the side. They might just be doing some you know, uh, shoulder pads and helmet drills only where they're not doing any contact. Um, it, it can take on many different forms. Uh, but it, but that's when I always go back to, okay, who is the player? What is the injury? Where are they at in their career? Where is the team at heading into the next game? And then you have to kind of use your best judgment and look at the statistical history of the player and you know determine whether he's going to be a good guy to put in your starting lineup or maybe keep on the bench for that particular week. It's hard hard to gauge sometimes, though, when you get limited re- uh, reports in the press or you know very conflicting reports. Uh, so you know, it helps to have a guy like me come on the show and maybe give you a little bit more information that might help sway you in one way or the other. 
Absolutely. And that's why we love having Brian every Wednesday and Thursday. Brian, I can't wait till next week, man, when we talk about it some more. Good luck to your fantasy football leagues this week, too, by the way. And we'll help you. you out if you need it. All, All right. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take care. <laughs> hey, Brian. All right. That was Brian Scott. Make sure you give him a follow at host Brian Scott on social media. Absolute great follow with the Injured List podcast. All right, so before we get started here, I did have a question that came in on our YouTube channel. Make sure you tune in live, and you can always ask these questions. We'll try to get to them as we go through. I looks like he's talking about a trade. I get Chubb, Waddle, and Dynasty trade at that. I get Chubb, Waddle, a first and a second. He gets Jonathan Taylor, Hollywood, two six. I don't know if that's meant to be two six. I don't know too many rookie drafts that have six rounds in them. Who wins the trade? Uh, yeah, whoever gets Jonathan Taylor in that deal wins a trade. So if you're giving away Jonathan Taylor, don't do it. Axis Mythics from his uh, username there. That would be my ultimate advice. Uh, let's get into our obvious starters for our first half. We're ta- The first half, the first four games, we're going to be talking about the Atlanta Falcons and the Rams, the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Houston Texans versus the Denver Broncos and our clairvoyant Thursday and fantasy football's second half week one report, starting off with the obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Of this group, my only obvious starter is actually Russell Wilson. He comes into my QB six, and yes, I know. It was rough on Monday, but it was rough on Monday, and he still dropped 340 yards and a touchdown. Just think what happens if the Denver Bronco offense can start clicking and they're playing Houston, right? Yeah, just say the last part again. They're playing Houston. Uh, we saw Matt Ryan have you know a resurgence of stats last week. You could definitely put up numbers versus defense. You could definitely get the big long ball versus defense. So Russell Wilson should be definitely in your lineups this week. Okay, we don't have to spend too much time on that one. We don't spend too much time on this one either. Joe Mixon, number three running back for me on the week going up against the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know how much this is going to be like last week, or at least I don't think it's going to be like last week, where Cincinnati has to come back from behind and play in the fourth quarter. And even if they did, Joe Mixon still got plenty of work. What do we learn? Uh, the coaching staff's full of crap when they said that Joe Mixon wasn't going to be involved on passing downs because he very much was in all the crucial situations you would want him to be involved. So you're good there. He's game script proof. They're playing Dallas. He's likely going to close out the game. Joe Mixon's an obvious starter, a top three play for me. Absolutely agree. Leonard Fournette ran all over this Dallas defense. So why, why can't Joe Mixon do so as well? Let's go to the wide receivers. So I got Cooper Cup. He's an obvious starter. And he's my number one. Last week was Justin Jefferson. This week is Cooper Cup. Why? Oh, they get to play Atlanta. Guess what? Guess who Cooper Cup doesn't face against Atlanta? He doesn't face the perimeter corners that are actually decent in Atlanta. I think he's in for another big, big day as the Rams try to rebound after a poor, poor showing last Thursday. Yeah, I'm not even going to elaborate on this. I'm just going to say this every week. He's a must-start. It's Cooper Cup. Yep. And we'll, we'll just throw in Jamar Chase there. He's a top five wide receiver for me here, even if T. Higgins plays. Remember, Dallas, they did a good job last week. I want to give him some credit. But look, Jamar Chase, he's awesome. You draft him to be a top three receiver. He's a top five for me this week. You're playing him. Elaboration? No? No, I mean, the big thing I think you saw last week is when even when Higgins went down, Boyd didn't step up the targets. It was more and more Jamar Chase. Happened last year in the playoffs. I think thing continues to happen. So Jamar Chase is one of the surefire guys to have in your lineup. 
Now, this guy we might need to highlight a little bit more. So we're getting our obvious starters when it comes to the tight end position. Kyle Pitts is still an obvious starter. I think most people understand that and know that, but I know last week, two catches, 19 yards. And Chris, I've been saying this all week long because I've been dealing with it on social media. And, and you know, hit us up at BellyUpMDFF Show. I'm always there for your assistance. But at the same time, it's like when it comes to the tight end position, people want to flush their brains down the toilet and just chase their tails. And I'm trying to say, no, 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 calm down. Kyle Pitts, he still had seven targets. He's still going to be one of the top two targeted guys of this offense. And a big reason why Atlanta gave away that game is because it got too conservative. I don't know if that happens again here against the Rams. They're likely going to have to score a few more points. Give me Kyle Pitts in this matchup where I think maybe London's the one who actually gets the Ramsey shadow. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Uh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Yeah, I think I tend to agree. Look, Kyle Pitts is definitely clocks will start ticking for me sooner and later because you can't have one touchdown forever. Having said that, <laughs> it's the Saints defense. It's a really tough defense that they've struggled against since he's entered the league. They shut down all the tight end positions. They have you know, a plethora of different safety options to use. So Atlanta doesn't have the nearly the kind of same – Rams, I'm sorry, don't have the nearly the same kind of matchup defense. So this should be Kyle Pitts the week that he has a good week. And as you pointed alluded to, the tight end position, what else are you really picking from? No, totally agree. That does it for our obvious starters. So let's move them into our lock em ins of the week for these matchups. Lock them in. It's a lock. We're locking in Joe Burrow. He's my QB9 this week. Just think about last week. He still had a good fantasy performance in spite of throwing four interceptions because that's just what Joe Burrow can do. He's still going to sling the ball. He's still going to be aggressive, and it's all going to work out at the end of the day when you have Jamar Chase, a T. Higgins back, a Tyler Boyd to be able to go to if a T. Higgins is out or anything like that. Dallas gives up points, typically speaking. I know, like, again, last week they did a good job, but this is pretty much the same defense it was last year for the most part. It's a defense that goes for sacks. They go for turnovers. It's great for fantasy purposes, but they do give up points. Joe Burrow, top 10 quarterback for me this week. Yeah, I think that he's definitely going to spend the top 10, but I had a little bit of concern. Now, you talked about the volume last week kind of saving his you know, day, but that four interceptions hurt a lot of people, and I think that's one thing you're going to continue to see, that the pressure is going to be a problem. Dallas was able to get to Tampa Tom Brady. Why can't they get to Joe Burrow, who was you know under duress all last week? I think you're also going to see some problems with turnovers as he had to to Pittsburgh, so this Joe Burrow is kind of a, a safe guy in a sense with the volume, but a little unsafe guy with the turnover opportunity. 
Well, he still finishes a top 10 quarterback, even with the four turnovers last, if, if you're ahead, it's minus two. So I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, before we hit our next lock in quarterback, we do have a question coming in from, I'm just going to say Malik, uh, Gibson, Brian, and McLaurin for Renfro, Corey Davis, and Aaron Jones. I already got Devontae Adams, T. Higgins, Terry, and Godwin, Mixon, Sanders, and Gibson. I'm not going to read all that, but look, uh, so basically, you're trading all the Washington Commanders for Hunter Renfro, Corey Davis, and Aaron Jones. That's essentially what you're saying here. I would say no. I would say no to that deal. Uh, Aaron Jones is in a... I, while I love Aaron Jones, he's the best player in that deal. He's in a split committee with A.J. Dillon. You pretty much have that on your hands with Gibson. Maybe Brian Robinson gets put in that point when he comes back. And McLaurin is the second best player in that deal. So I'm going to say no to that. Yeah, I think Terry McLaurin's the big reason for I go with a no. Because what Aaron Jones, you know, last year of his deal in Green Bay, maybe the future's not there. It's getting a little older. But Terry McLaurin's a young star receiver. Kind of had already showed you kind of the connection with Carson Wentz. Terry McLaurin's not like, I'm willing to let go in that trade. Keep the questions coming in as you have them. But let's get back to our lock them in quarterbacks. And I got Stafford in the top 10. That's right. They're not playing Buffalo this week, guys. So it's okay. They're playing Atlanta. I think they get some things course corrected. Like getting Allen Robinson involved, maybe that would be a nice thing to do. But just in general, their offense should have an easier time moving the ball. While that offensive line for the Rams is a huge concern of mine moving forward in the season because it was bad. And I don't know how much better you can truly make an offensive line that bad. That Atlanta front is not the Buffalo Bills front. No, it definitely is not. But I do have some concerns because what you'd see Atlanta do, especially in the first half versus New Orleans, is they blitzed a lot. And when they brought the pressure, they were able to hit, get home. This Rams offensive line, as you alluded to, is definitely a problem. Buffalo didn't have blitz once the entire game. This is definitely a different situation. No, they, they got only all that pressure once in the whole game. That was they oh, only said five once. once. I, I thought, yeah, they only okay, said five. Okay, I thought they didn't blitz at all. But so that you saw the amount of pressure this guy was. Fifty percent of the snaps he dropped back was under pressure. So if they can get home before, what can you know multiple pressures do? I just have a little concern when it comes to that. Yeah, and that's you know that's fair, but I think they put it together enough enough for Stafford to be we drafted him to be a top ten quarterback. I think you can play him as such this week. Um, but I'm locking him in, and I'm locking in these running backs. I'm locking in Javante Williams. He's actually he should have probably been an obvious start for mine. He's locked in in my top five coming into this week. Yes, Melvin Gordon is involved. They're playing Houston. Javante Williams got more of the work, more of the snaps. And I think, well, Gordon, we'll talk about him a little bit later in the show. He's going to be a play for me, too, in a lookout for a segment. But Javante Williams, lock him in. Love what he did in the passing game. Do I expect him to get 11 catches again? No. But as long as he's leading the way in that workload, which is what it indicated to me, I'm going to be okay with the production that comes out of that position. Yeah, I think you take about all he's going to be involved in both the passing and rushing attack. And guess what? They both work against the Texans. You saw Naheem Hines have nice games. So Jonathan Taylor run all over that defense. So you could definitely utilize your running back in this game. How about Cordero Patterson? He's a lock him in for me. He's my top 15, actually 15 exactly coming into the week. Damian Williams is going to be out. Do I expect Cordero Patterson to get 22 carries every single game? No, I don't. A lot of people have been talking about that fact like it's some kind of negative thing for Cordero Patterson. Pretty sure this guy was a top-end RB2 last year, averaging about 15 touches a game. That's all I want him to do. I just need him to get 15 touches. What this proved to me in this last game was not that he's going to get all the volume or anything like that. That's not what I was looking for. I was looking for explosive ability, which he clearly still has, and his role has not diminished. Top 15 running back for me against the Rams. Yeah, I mean, this guy's like the, the perfect flex play in a sense where you're always looking for a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. 
rarely can they average about 10 to 15 yards per carry per catch out of the backfield because the guy can actually line up a receiver legitimately. So Cordell Patterson is one of those, you know, cheat codes, in my opinion. I think he's definitely a must start as long as he shows you keeps up showing you otherwise. Let's move into the lock them in wide receivers. And let's start with the Bronco wide receivers. I got Cortland Sutton in my top 10. I got Jerry Duty in my top 20. Surprise, surprise. Russell Wilson showed you in a game in which they scored 16 points. He can still get good fantasy points to his top two wide receivers. Any concerns here? No, I'll go back to the Colts again. Michael Pittman had a huge game. Sutton kind of profiles similar to him. Sutton, you know, didn't have the huge, the biggest game this past week, but he was definitely involved in the Ted's usage. He's probably due for a touchdown in this game. So I, I'm starting you know, Denver guys as I possibly can. No, and I agree. And that's why Sutton's at my top 10, because I think he's the one who gets the touchdown this week. Jerry Judy got last week. Wilson has a habit of being able to go back and forth between his top two guys. The, the point is this. They're both going to be in your starting lineup every single week. T. Higgins, he is down my wide receiver 21. That's more of a reflection of I'm waiting for him to get cleared than it is anything else. But as long as he does, you're locking him into your lineups as a wide receiver too. Yeah, I 100% agree. The key is, is he healthy? If he's healthy, the guy starts. If he doesn't, you know, he's not healthy, of course, you might go to pivot to other options. But T. Higgins has definitely got a great matchup versus Dallas. Only one of them is going to see, you know, digs. The other guy's going to see when they're lesser corners. So I think Higgins has the opportunity to have one of the better, better games if he's out there. And if he's not healthy, pivot to Tyler Boyd as a high-end flex play, as a wide receiver three. It's that simple. Uh, let's move it into... Debo. So Debo comes, he's a lock him in. He's not an obvious starter because I'm a little bit, I know it's a monsoon and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit later, but I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that he only had two targets in last week's game and that he had to come in as a wide back. Maybe that gets rectified because you'll have Jeff Wilson ready to go. And maybe that was just part of the game plan. And they kind of got blindsided by the Elijah Mitchell injury within that game. Who knows? He is still my wide receiver rate. He's still a top 10 guy for me. You're locking me into your lineups. But I need to see him get back more involved in the passing game because that is when he was at his best. When he was giving you all those fantasy points last year, everyone's ride home about he's that wide receiver. The running back thing gave him a good floor, but he was at his best fantasy wise when he was doing more things as a receiver. Yeah, he was safer as a receiver. Basically, you're hoping for a touchdown. If you don't get that touchdown production out of Debo Samuel, you're not getting the numbers. And you didn't see the Cordell Patterson, you know, usage we kind of alluded to. We we're excited about Cordell Patterson, how he kind of evolved him throughout. Debo clearly was just basically involved in the rushing attack, and it didn't really happen until Elijah Mitchell went down. I mean, if you're an owner, you're excited because as long as he seems that, you know, Mitchell's out, Debo's going to have that kind of role, but it is some, something that's kind of hard to bank on looking for a receiver to score rushing touchdowns. And the, my last lock him in wide receiver of this group is Brandon Cooks. He's at wide receiver 23 inside my top 24, making him a wide receiver too. It's not a great matchup for him on paper. That's why he doesn't crack my top 20. But he has such a safe floor, and you know Houston's going to have to come back from behind this game. I don't think last week, the way that went with the Colts, I don't see that happening again as far as game script is concerned. So Brandon Cooks, his volume alone, makes him a lock him in for me. Yeah, I mean, he had a nice volume this past week against the Colts, too. So he was definitely involved. Everybody knows who the ball's going to go to. He's probably going to see Sertan, who was great against DK. The only difference is Brandon Cooks a little bit better getting off of press coverages and kind of you know using more more they the move slot. Brandon Cooks around a little bit more exactly. Too. So I think I was getting to the kind of the, the reason you're saying like they move around a little, little more. He's also a little bit different of a coverage guy for some of the longer, lengthier guys. You know, Sertan can match up better with a DK that he kept the quicker, smaller guy than the Brandon Cooks. So it's not going to be kind of the shutdown you saw this past week. My lock him in tight end for the week is Dalton Schultz. He's my top ten tight end. Ten exactly on the dot. 
He's probably the only cowboy that I still, well, I shouldn't say that. I like Zeke too. We'll talk about him in a little bit, but he's probably the only pass catching cowboy that I actually feel safe maintaining his value because I know he's going to be utilized as a safety blanket. Yeah. I mean, he saw that right, basically right off the bat. He got half his targets once uh, Cooper Rush came into the game. Um, is probably, you know, typically a safer blanket for some of the younger quarterbacks. And he talked about, you know, some of the who you trust in this lineup. Right now, it, it's CD, him, and what else do you really have to go through in that passing attack? So Dalton Schultz isn't going anywhere. All right. That does it for our Lockmans for the week. Let's move into our lookout. Lookout for. My lookout for quarterbacks. Mar- I'm starting off the list. Marcus Mariota. Quarterback 16 for me, but he is a streaming option. I love the amount of design runs that they had for him. I actually really like the way the Falcons offense look. Remember, that's a good Saints defense. So there's nothing to ride home about. Marcus Mariota will get some passing touchdowns and eventually, hopefully to Kyle Pitts, or at least for Kyle Pitts owners anyway. But Marcus Mariota is going to be that safe floor guy because he has the rushing ability at QB 16. If you're looking for an option, Mariota can be that guy. Yeah, and looking for some upside. You know, we always know that she could in fantasy football is the rushing quarterback. You saw that last week versus New Orleans. But you saw your pleasantly, Ailey Sai was pleasantly impressed with the passing attack as well. He was aggressive. He looked for the big plays. He didn't necessarily hit Kyle Pitts as we hoped to. But this Rams defense is, you know, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and... And what? So, this is a, yeah, it's a much better matchup for Atlanta offense. So, you know, this could go down as a shootout. How about let's look out for Trey Lance in, in the opposite direction? So, yes... I know. And look, I'm not saying that I can dump on Trey Lance after one very rainy game. I, I, that's that's not what I'm saying here. But I did see Justin Fields make enough plays for the Chicago Bears, who have a much worse team, to put up 19 points. And I didn't see Trey Lance make those plays. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, just throwing it out there. But from a fantasy standpoint, look, he's like QB 18. I get why people are excited in the fantasy industry. He rushed double-digit times. I think this is what the three out of four games that he's played, he's rushed double-digit times as a a starter, essentially. I understand it. But if he's not going to give you anything in the passing game and he doesn't score on the ground, well, then it really doesn't matter. And that's why Trey Lance, for me, is somebody who belongs on your benches. Yeah, the rushing cheat code, the quarterback I just talked about, is definitely usually a cheat code. But rarely does that quarterback have double-digit carries and average four yards per carry. That's not special. And yeah. what scares you is you talked about this is the second of th- you know out of three games he had that double digit carries. He got hurt the last time he had the double digit carries. So that's what you're kind of concerned about. Can he keep getting hit 14, 15 times a game when you're only averaging four yards per carry? That's not, that's a problem. You talked about the you know the monsoon that ruined his debut, so to speak. Um, number one, this isn't his first start. He has started previous, just kind of run everybody. Uh, number two. As you alluded to, Justin Fields also played in that monsoon, finished the game eight for nine in that second half, where supposedly the weather got worse, which, you know, is what Trey Lance's excuse was. But the other quarterback actually got better as the game progressed while the Equinamia's St. Frickin' Brown. I was just going to say, you made a great point for me because I was like, and you look at the weapons around the one quarterback who we've all kind of crapped on all offseason versus Adebo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. Uh, the genius of Kyle Shanahan. So, yeah, I would be a little concerned if I'm a Trey Lance owner. All right, let's move to our lookout for running backs of the week. Start off with Melvin Gordon. He comes in at RB28 for me. He's a good 
strong flex play. He showed last week, one, that he's still a good running back. That's first and foremost. But two, he's still going to be involved in this game. Yeah, I think the key part is being involved. How many second running backs that we can say that we confidently feel that way where their usage is going to be in the backfield? So when you have two guys who you know are going to be involved, you keep riding guys like a flex option, as you pointed out. Well, speaking of two running backs, I have no idea what their involvement is going to be. We The Rams running backs. So I have Darrell Henderson ranked at RB26. He is definitely a flex play. I am hesitant to put him inside the top 24 because this Cam Akers situation is so strange to me. But I will say this, and this had me very concerned from you know Cam Akers' perspective. Adam Schefter kept talking about Kyron Williams was supposed to be the second running back in that game last week. Now, he did say that it might have been Buffalo Bill-related, game plan-related for that particular game, that that was going to be the case. But that makes me concerned if the coaching staff was truly planning on a three-man committee. And now, because... Kyron Williams is going to be out for the next six to eight weeks. I believe he's on IR. So I think it would be eight weeks, if I'm not mistaken, with the high ankle sprain. Now, so we got Sean McVay in the public trying to challenge Cam Akers. Well, look, I mean, you can say all you want to Sean McVay. He needs to run more urgency. You're not going to know unless you give him more than three carries. So that's why I'm a little hesitant to put Henderson in the top 24. I think Akers, if especially if he rises to the challenge in practice, maybe he gets a little bit more work. This is still in flux, ultimately speaking. Henderson can be played as an RB3. Akers is still on your bench, but I'm mostly wait and see. Yeah, I 100% agree. People are feeling super confident. Oh, look, Henderson, he's definitely with the guy in the backfield. I don't know if it wasn't game script, and I don't really know what to get my head self into Sean McVay's head. The only thing I'm praying to God right now is please, please, please don't turn into Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> and he's starting to sound like him a little bit too, which is a little scary. How about the Dallas Cowboy running backs? Look out for them. Ezekiel Elliott. He's a top 20 running back for me. You're playing him. Look, he averaged five yards of carry against Tampa freaking Bay, who shuts down everybody. It's not his fault. Kellen Moore decided before the game he was only going to be allowed to get 10 carries in that game. Not his fault. And if anything, with Cooper Rush coming in, I would think, I would think they're going to lean on the running backs a little bit more. And before I kick it to you for Dallas, I just want to mention Tony Pollard real quick. If I had a nickel for every time I was told a running back was going to line up in the slot and get involved in the pass game and it wound up not being true, I'd be a very rich man. And I warned you guys all in MD Nation about that. Yeah, and I've been warning you guys about Tony Pollard just in general. This is hype of Tony Pollard going to carry you guys to victory. It hasn't happened in the last three years, so I'm, I'm still waiting for that day to kind of materialize. Talk about Dallas, you know, kind of what the offense was and what Zeke looked like. I don't understand this rhetoric that all of a sudden, like, we got to jump off all, all the players on, on Dallas offense. Um, you couldn't play worse quarterback that Prescott was playing. And you talked no, about Zeke no. versus a top match defense, one of the, you know, was the best run defense last year in the NFL. Zeke looked good, averaged five yards per carry, uh, which is more yards than Trey Lance, by the way. Um, and then not only the average five yards per carry, um, looked good. I thought, you know, past the eye test in my book, it wasn't just like guy kind of fell forward. Zeke looked healthy. He looked spry. I'm not going to say he was like, you know, five years ago, Zeke, but it looks like two years ago, Zeke, which is a top seven, the top eight running back every year. So yeah. why would that change? Uh, Jerry Jones has been kind of showing you the cards all offseason. This team goes by Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe he saw Dak Prescott, in, you know, pre- preseason and, and saw you know him in camp and stuff like that and realized, uh-oh, this maybe had to be Zeke's team because <laughs> Zeke is getting still on that team, being paid, and I think they're going to try to ride him as much as they can. And, and versus defense, why not? Look, it was a banged-up offensive line against Tampa Bay's front, and he's still rushing five yards to carry. It gives you some optimism moving forward against Cincinnati. 
Let's talk about the Seattle backfield. It's funny. I just I have all these backfields grouped together in the lookout for a segment. So we got Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker comes back, practices in full yesterday. All the talk is he's going to be able to go on Sunday. We'll see the the reports tomorrow. Make sure to check back at L at Billy Up MDFF show. We'll keep you up to date. Um, here's my deal about Rashad Penny. So he comes in at RB31 for me. He's still a flex play consideration, but I didn't love that a game that they won 17 to 16, that should have been a pro game script for Rashad Penny, him only coming out with 12 carries. I, did, I didn't really love that. And you're now if you're going to add Kenneth Walker into the mix, he was efficient on those 12 carries, but now if you're going to add Kenneth Walker into the mix, now all of a sudden the volume question gets raised, and I don't know what that means necessarily for Rashad Penny. That's why I can't make him any higher than a flex play. I could understand that, if, but if you watch the game, Rashad Penny had two or three big runs called back um, so there, it wasn't like he looked explosive. He ran well. It, it, the volley was kind of a weird game flow in a sense where, you know, they were prioritizing the short passing attack, not necessarily using the run attack, but when they did, he was extremely effective. Like I said, and, you know, they basically called back two 50 yard runs that he could have had for touchdowns. So it wasn't like he just, you know, was stinking out there or because kind of wasn't using his volume. It was basically Seattle didn't need him really. Um, so I'm not worried about Rashad Penny. I think this is going to get back to where you're going to be able to eat out of with both these guys. But right now, Rashad Penny's the guy that I'm definitely going to have my lineup. Walker's a wait and see for me. Well, Walker's absolutely. He's at my RB57. He's not, he's not a part of the conversation. We're waiting to see him in the second half of the season when Rashad Penny inevitably gets hurt because I, I just don't believe he can actually stay healthy for a full 17-game season. Uh, our, next, our next lookout for Jeff Goodall Wilson, top of my waiver wire report. We know he's the starter. I know there's a lot of talk. Who's the number two? Is it Terry Davis Price? Is it Mason? Are they going to compete? Who cares? From a fantasy standpoint, like, who cares? The next eight weeks, as long as he's healthy, Jeff Wilson's the starter, and he's my top 24 running back. You're starting him this week against Seattle. I was on that same hype train until I saw this past week, Dan, and the problem that threw me off was the Debo Samuel usage. I don't know what that's going to change because I do have a fear Jeff Wilson Jr. just isn't explosive, and this line isn't very good. Without a speedster like Elijah Mitchell or somebody who can kind of set the edge, they're going to have problems with Trey Lance at the quarterback position. So I don't necessarily buy Jeff Wilson as much as I want to because I do have concerns Debo might steal the kind of valuable touches from him because he did not look good. Well, let's see week. because, I mean, it could have been part of the monsoon. I'm just saying. Well, that's true. Uh, Debo <laughs> ran this quarterback. Yeah, I got to agree. Uh, Rex Burkhead, he comes in my RB33. Oh, Chris, guess I'm going to let you gloat on this, but this is where we were both on the same page. So was there a monsoon in this game that we excuse Damian Pierce's usage? Because I'm trying to understand where, where you know who gets out, who doesn't get out. Um, yeah, guys, we've been telling you all during all the hype offseason that Damian Pierce just might be, not that we hate him, just a little overly hyped and overvalued for a team that doesn't score points, isn't going to be able to run the ball. This isn't the Baltimore Ravens, guys. And Rex Burkhead can pass block. Catches the ball. Dan warns you all the time about these young guys who can't pass protect, aren't involved for three downs. Well, you saw what happened when you put Damian Pearson in your lineup and he can't pass protect, isn't involved in the pass game. And guys, but also Houston was up most of that game. This game script actually fit Damian Pierce quite well. It's not going to get any closer or better than I think for him. So I'd be a little bit concerned. He may fall in for a touchdown, but this breakout guy, I just don't see it coming, guys. I keep warning you. What, just to be fair here, what do you think about the comments Lovey Smith made after the after the game about oh, we need to make sure we get Damian Pierce involved? I 100% agree, and I can find you comments similar to that that we're talking about making Mark Ingram involved. Um, yeah, 
they want to run the ball. If it was up to Lovey Smith, they'd run the ball every every down. He's a defensive coordinator. He, he wants to kind of control the clock, keep guys off the field. But Pep Hamilton's offensive coordinator. He calls playing personnel, and he saw who he trusts. So, and I'm sure Pep Hamilton knew how, who played, who didn't play, how many snaps, how many carries they got. I'm not worried about Lovey Smith. I think there'll be an effort early on to try to avoid Damian Pierce, but I think what you actually did was hurt Damian Pierce because every time you see him in the game, he's probably going to get a carry. And every defense and coordinator in the world is going to know that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's get into our lookout for wide receivers. Starting it off with Drake London coming in for me at wide receiver 35 for the week. We had the seven targets last week. How had a solid little game. Yes, it wasn't a big, crazy game that you were hoping for, I guess. I don't know what you're really expecting against the Saints anyway. But he's definitely did enough and showed that he's ready enough to be at least a wide receiver three for me. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. I, I might even go a little higher than that, Dan. I think that he showed me that he's the alpha in this passing attack. I know everybody loves the Kyle Pitts thing. We haven't necessarily seen that. They had the same yet. amount of targets. He was more effective, but they had the same amount of targets. It, it definitely, definitely more targets. But this is also a guy who's missed the last couple of weeks. You know, he hasn't been around for camp. So it was obvious that they have a kind of more of a connection with him. I loved what I saw. Um, and I think that's going to continue to kind of be you know, exciting. This offense is going to go through him and Pitts, and I think that you're going to continue to see his involvement increase. I was pleased with what I saw, um, you know, his ability to kind of transition his first game without missing so much practice time recently. And averse to Rams, I don't know if he doesn't have a better game than, you know, 35 because they're going to score points. He's probably not going to see Jalen Ramsey all the time. And even if he does, does that really matter anymore? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know that it does. How about DK Metcalf? I got him one spot lower at wide receiver 36. He had seven targets. I do think he's the favorite wide receiver of Geno Smith. That goes back to last season. I don't know how many deep balls in his future. I talked about in the recap show, the primetime recap show. The deep ball just might be off the table because look like everything that they designed offensively had to be within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. His target share is enough for me to make him a wide receiver three but I'm looking for other options. I am totally opposite of you right now. So when it comes to the Seattle offense, when I saw DK had seven catches, 36 yards, Patrick Sertan did a fantastic job following him around with basically his 
a emerging shutdown corner. I saw Dante Pettis in that monsoon just torch your secondary, um, <laughs> run right by them, and you were 29th in your secondary in big plays last year. So I haven't seen any improvement even in a monsoon, even behind a probably poorest at best receiving core in Chicago. It's Geno Smith. Who Doesn't did throw the deep ball. Better than Trey Lance did last week, by the way. And well, okay. Then we're well, I was going to, well, I'm going to go there because DK last year, when you look at the stats and the numbers produced with Geno Smith as a quarterback, people are going to talk about the yards per catch because of the first game. Patrick Sertan is the reason there were seven catches, 36 yards. If you have seven catches for DK Metcalf, he's going to have more than 36 yards versus that 49er defense. We'll have to see exactly what happens. But, but for now, he's he's got a low floor to me. He's going to be a wide receiver 36. Here's another guy who's been of controversy this week. I got him at wide receiver 23. It's C.D. Lamb. I got to update the graphics. I actually updated those, gra- uh, those rankings a little bit while ago. He's at wide receiver 23. So he's still a wide receiver 2. It depends on what you have. I would prefer, and I have CD Lamb in a few leagues, so I could take I could talk about this from a personal standpoint. If you have other options you can pivot to, I'm on the mindset I want to wait and see. Because there's one of two options that I believe Cooper Rush could prove to be. Either as a backup quarterback, he's gonna lock into his number one wide receiver, which has happened in the past. And as a result, CD Lamb will be okay. He'll at least have a floor. He might not have a ceiling, but he'll at least have a floor. Or because Cooper Rush stinks and teams can go back and actually have a little bit of film on him this time around, he doesn't belong in an NFL field and therefore the entire Dallas Cowboy offense suffers. One of two is going to happen. So if I have another option, I might look to it, but he does make my top 24, which means he is a wide receiver too, which means more likely he's in your lineup. Yeah, I'm much more bullish once again. I think T.D. Lamb's a must start this week. I, I People are disappointed with what they saw last week. 11 targets. He can't um, back be back a must-start with Cooper Rush after the performance that he had. I, I, he can't be a must I can understand. Well, I think when you drafted C.D. Lamb, I do think he's a must-start because you probably took him in the second round or third round at latest, and you took him as being an elite receiver. Elite receivers still can eat without their quarterbacks. Usually, if they're going to be able to produce, particularly if they're going to get 11 targets signed for them, I think they're going to be okay. We will, we will have to see. Uh, and then outside of that, we got Allen Robinson. So will Allen Robinson be allowed to get more than two targets for one catch and 12 yards against the Atlanta Falcons? Will somebody else besides Cooper Cup be allowed to eat? Other than Ben Scrotum, I mean, Skronik. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> That's all you can say. Look, I have him as a wide receiver 32. I feel like you have to consider him in your flex. Do I feel good about it? No. Do I think the Rams have to change what they did last week? Yes. So that would be my one silver lining as to why it would be a feather in the cap to an Allen Robinson because they have to change up what they did last week, even against Atlanta. But you can't feel great about it moving forward. Our our lookout for tight ends, Tyler Higby. Now him, on the other hand, with Van Jefferson continuing to be out, while he didn't put up the numbers you would have wanted him to, he did have 11 targets. It looked like the Rams truly wanted him to be part of the passing game. You give me a tight end with 11 targets, I show you a top 12 tight end. He comes in at 11 for me. Yeah, I don't think he's a bad play. He's not going to see 11 targets, I think, this game, because I think there will be some effort to get Al Robinson the ball, um, some effort to get maybe another running back, like not Henderson the ball. But um, I do think Higby could be a guy that you can have in your last because it's a pretty good matchup on paper. 
And then outside of that, we got Hayden Hurst. He's a sleeper for me. Albert O also can be in the sleeper territory. Uh, Hayden Hurst comes in at, at tight end 23. Albert O comes in at tight end 16. So Hurst is more of a, a back end tight end too in, in, t- in deep leagues. And that's just because, look, if T. Higgins is back, I don't expect Hurst to get eight targets. Albert O's case, while he didn't get all the playing time you'd want, when they were down trailing, long passing down situations, two-minute drill, he was the guy out there getting targets. So he has some interest to me, but it's quickly declining. We have Beck out there, and you know Greg Dolch is going to return at some point. The big factor was when they needed two tight end sets and they needed guys to block, he wasn't out there. Yeah, my concern more so is do you have to even use him because you have the running backs involved in the passing attack. You have the receivers you can feed all day. He's kind of like, you know, very bottom of the food chain. So he can have big games here or there, but it's just when you're going to guess those are going to happen because really, honestly, this Denver office isn't going to need him. All right, let's get to our be cautious of. Be cautious of. Be cautious of Geno Smith, Davis Mills, Cooper Rush. Don't have to talk about that. Be cautious of Damian Pierce. No reason why he should be on your starting lineup. This is where we'll talk a little bit more. Be cautious of Brandon Ayuk and Tyler Lockett. Now, Ayuk is just outside my top 36, but he's so boomer bust with this offense and with Trey Lance. I got to think you have a better floor option to be able to go with. And Lockett, look, if if DK Metcalf is going to get all the work, I don't know what Lockett's role is in this offense because I don't, again, I don't believe the deep ball is there with a Geno Smith. Yeah, Lockett's a tough one. I think it's more of a DFS play because you haven't really seen the consistency yet out of him. But you do like love the matchup. Like I said, you saw Dante Pettis just torch that secondary. Um, and then, you know, I think that there's some other upside guys to kind of look at there as well. And then we're not starting Noah Fant. He's in a three-way tight end committee, apparently, because we have to get Will Disley and and uh, who, who's the other guy? Kobe something? Parkinson. Thank you. Kobe Parkinson. I was trying to say Parkinson. I don't know why. But, yeah, Kobe Parkinson, they have to get touchdowns too. So, yeah, he's in a three-way tight end committee. He comes at what, tight end 20. And the other guy, I can't believe I even have to add him to this list, but apparently I do. O.J. Howard. Please don't start O.J. Howard. I had a lot of comments about wanting to pick up O.J. Howard. I know he had the two touchdowns. He played 16% of the snaps, people. Leave it alone with O.J. Howard. Before we hit the break, I do have a quick question coming in here. Should I trade Jacobs for Bateman? If you're in a PPR league, yes. If you're in a standard league, I actually don't know because if Jacob stays healthy enough, I think he will be okay uh, in that situation. Chris is shaking his head yes either way. I would trade for Bateman. I think that Bateman to me is the guy I'd rather have. And I think he was a long-term investment for the upside in the playoffs. Also, a guy that might be more secure just throughout the, playoff, throughout the regular season as well. Let's go to a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got four more games to match up. They'll cap off the week two action. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back. Right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. 
True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back into the show to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're live on our YouTube channel. Also live on bellyup.tv. Subscribe to our YouTube channel when you get the chance. Download us on the Foxy Network app on your TV on demand, your favorite TV device like Roku or LG or Samsung or more. Or you can stay up to date with the show on the go. When you download us on your favorite podcast app, give us a five-star review. It greatly helps us out. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chris Dowhauer. We now got the last four games of week two to preview. It's the Arizona Cardinals versus the Raiders. That could be a shootout. The Chicago Bears versus Green Bay. I don't know why it's a Sunday night game. Why Why do we have to watch that in primetime? I just, oh, it's awful. We got two Monday night games, and that might be significant for some of you trying to set your lives. Just keep that in mind. There are two Monday night games this week. Tennessee Titans versus the Buffalo Bills. Minnesota Vikings versus the Philadelphia Eagles. It's weird having two Monday night games on week two and not week one, but that is what we're dealing with this week. And by the way, they're going to be on basically the same time. The Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills are start at 7.15, and then at 8.15, the Vikings and Eagles start. So it's not like you're going to watch one game and get to the other one. It's pretty much like going to be in sync just an hour off there. So just kind of keep that in mind as you go to set your lineups. Yeah, NFL is keeping us on our toes right now, Dan. Between all the different stations and the times and games going on, it's definitely interesting this season right now. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's kind of nice. Like I like it being on Amazon Prime for Thursday Night Football. Because I think it makes it more easy and everyone has Amazon Prime at this point. But let me watch a full game on Monday night, you know, before you give me the other one. Jeez, Louise. All right, let's get to our obvious starters here. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. So my obvious starters. Yes, you're starting Kyler Murray. I know it was bad last week. He's still serviceable because he ran. He comes on my QB7 for me here this week. You drafted him as such. I'm not concerned about Kyler Murray, especially against the Raiders. Yeah, I think they're especially against the Raiders is a great point. Even Kyler Murray, when he has a you know bad game, quote unquote, because his offensive pace, he's going to scramble, he's going to run, they're going to put up yards. Kyler Murray's a good play. Josh Allen, obviously, he's the number one quarterback. We don't have to talk about that. Jalen Hurts comes into my QB four. He was QB three last week. I, I talked about this in the pre- in the recap. Look, Hurts didn't get it more accurate. That got proven on Sunday. He's still the same quarterback he's always been. 
But that also means a really good fantasy quarterback because he ran for 90 yards and got a rushing touchdown and does what he does on the ground. And now he's got a go-to option in the passing game who can be a monster for him. I think that's the key. The guy that can catch the ball most no matter what and, and definitely had the you know, most completion, the highest completion percentage to, as long as he can throw it to A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts can live. Uh, Dalvin Cook, top 10 play this week. You're locking him or not even locking him in. He's an obvious start for me. The Philadelphia Eagles, I, I do think their run defense will be very good at some point this year, but after watching DeAndre Swift run all over him, I feel pretty good about Dalvin Cook. I do too. The big thing that you saw I took out of the game for myself was that Davis only played uh, 33% of the snaps. When he was out there, they actually were really effective first to run, but he didn't play the majority of the game. He's kind of rotating in right now as it kind of gets his feet wet. So playing clocks and hearts grave over him. Those guys did terrible first to run. So this is an opportunity for Dalvin Cook to kind of bounce back, quote unquote, and have a great game this week. Obvious stars at the wide receiver position. You ready for this? This this group actually has a lot of good wide receivers. Devontae Adams, my wide receiver three. Stephon Diggs, my wide receiver four. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver two this week. Remember, I got Cooper Cup one, number one. A.J. Brown, my wide receiver seven. Will they all go off like they did last week? I don't think they're going to go off per se. Like, let's be for real. So if the Eagles aren't completely idiots, and they realize that Jefferson's a priority and actually guard him versus you mean like the Green Bay Packers couldn't figure out by not yeah. having Jared Alexander on him. Or playing it. soft zone. And was, oh, oh, wow. We couldn't imagine leaving him wide open in soft zone spots. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think the Eagles won't be that dumb. Now, I'm not a huge fan of, Jeff, of Gannon. I think he can be out-schemed. You know, out but I do think this is a good matchup for Jefferson, obviously. And then we got Darren Waller. He's actually my number two tight end this week going up against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, Arizona was really good last year against the tight end position, number one. But Travis Kelsey kind of made that look, you know, like bullcrap. So <laughs> I'm not necessarily worried about Darren Waller. He obviously is the second guy that they're looking to throw to. If Devonta Adams doesn't get every target, Darren Waller should be able to eat as well. Can we look at the Arizona Cardinal defensive roster? They might be 32nd in everything this season. Just kind of just keep that in mind as we go through the fantasy year. Arizona Cardinals, attack them. Hey, that's it. Let's go to our lock them in for these matchups. Lock them in. It's a lock. All right. So our lock them in quarterback for the week, Derek Carr at QB8. He found his favorite target, Devontae Adams, last week, and he gets to go against what I just said. I believe will be the 32nd defense across the board. Give me Derek Carr inside my top 10 and lock him in. Yeah, I love the opponent. I love what I saw at Derek Carr week one, um, but I do love the opponent this week. You saw Patrick Mahomes throw six touchdowns versus defense in three quarters. If I'm playing against that defense, I'm trying to start the quarterback every week until I see otherwise. How about let's lock him in at running back? James Conner, RB13 for me this week. Look, I know it wasn't good last week. You know, I think it was only 26 yards rushing, something like that. But what does he always do? Falls in the end zone. He's going to do it against the Raiders again this week, by the way. So lock him in as an RB2, a high in RB2. Absolutely agree. Has, has a handful of catches out of the backfield as well to kind of give you that safer floor. James Connors is this guy who can score, a guy who gets to all the volume. He's definitely a must start. All right. Now we finally get to the guy that I want to be talking about all night long. I want to talk about David Montgomery a little bit. And I just, I guess I'm going to have to say I'm a David Montgomery apologist at this point because I feel like I'm always defending him. I, it's not out of like, I love David Montgomery, so therefore I want to defend him. It's out of the hypocrisy of the industry that's coming across when it comes to this player in particular. So 
We had the monsoon game, and I swear this is going to be the last time I'm mentioning it because I'm as sick of it as the rest of you are. Trust me. Trey Lance got a pass for his performance. Justin Fields got a pass for his performance. Uh, the running game of the San Francisco got a pass for their performance. Darnell Mooney got a pass for his performance. Debo Samuel did. Brandon Ayuk did. Everyone literally got a pass for their performance in the analysis this week from the monsoon game, except for David Montgomery. For some reason, the monsoon game was no excuse for David Montgomery to be inefficient. The fact that they were playing against the San Francisco 49ers defense was no excuse with a bottom feeder offensive line for David Montgomery to be inefficient. And the reason was this. The reason was Khalil Herbert on his carries was good. And he got the touchdown. And that's what everybody remembers in the second half because that was the turning point for the Chicago offense. And look, data is the bread and butter of fantasy football experts. No doubt about it. I love data as much as the next guy. But I also value context, as in context of watching film. When you watch the film, if you actually watch the game, there was a big difference in what happened when Cleo Herbert came in for that drive they did very well on, and what was going on for David Montgomery in the entire rest of the game. David Montgomery got the majority of his touches in the first half and through the beginning part of the third quarter. The offensive line was not moving the San Francisco defensive front at all. The weather got worse in the second half during that monsoon, and the defensive line was getting tired out. Why? Because the 49ers constantly had their defense on the field the entire you know, second quarter, I believe the third quarter. It was actually dominated by the Bears in time of possession during that time frame of the game. Now, all of a sudden, there was holes opening up. There was bigger holes opening up during that drive with Cleo Herbert than there ever was with David Montgomery, and he ran through them. And I like Cleo Herbert. He's a good runner. He will always be a zero in the passing game which is why David Montgomery's role is ultimately safe. And I'm tired of hearing about David Montgomery being super inefficient. He's an RB2 for me. You're playing him in your lineups. He's RB22 for me, to be exact, for this upcoming week. Play David Montgomery. Oh, by the way, he's still way outsnapped, outtouched Cleo Herbert in this game. Stop getting swept up in the hype. Thank you, Dan, because I'm tired of arguing with David Montgomery, too. I think people just want to hate on this guy and just see every chance they can they try to. Um, as you alluded to, this this game script, as you watched the game, if you were own eyes, you saw something different than what people are trying to allude to, that, you know, Cleo Herbert's such a better runner than David Montgomery. If I can call the ball, you know, first down and 10, everybody's running a gap. So you're not going to get a lot of yards, nine out of 10 times your line sucks. But when it's quicker pace, it's later in the game, teams are wearing down. Then, as you alluded to, when there's huge holes to run through, maybe the guy does a little bit better because there's huge holes to run through. Lock him into your starting lineup. Also lock in the Green Bay backfield, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Everyone seemed to be, you know, up in arms because A.J. Dillon, oh, he he out-targeted and out-caught Aaron Jones. It was a bad day for Green Bay in general. Both these running backs are going to be involved. And I think from a general standpoint, both these running backs will be more involved in the offense moving forward. Hopefully Lazard comes back for Green Bay. But if, if last week taught us anything, it was that these receivers outside of Lazard have a lot to prove and a long way to go, which means to me, I think they'll lean on the running backs even more so than what they did against Minnesota this past week. Play both of them. They're both mid-level RB2s for me. I got Aaron Jones at RB16. I got A.J. Dillon at RB19. 
Yeah, good call. This is still Green Bay for Chicago. I know Chicago gets can kind of credit for the monsoon as we talk. We keep saying, but uh, that defense isn't good. No, period. It's not. Uh, Derrick Henry. So he's not my obvious starter. He's still my lock him in. He still came in as a, in as a top twelve running back. So he's still an RB one, a low in RB one. It is against Buffalo. I don't love the matchup. Don't love the Tennessee offensive line. But Derrick Henry still got 20 carries. And if last year proved anything to us, Tennessee had multiple games where they were down by three scores and they were still handing the ball off to Derrick Henry. So for a guy who doesn't get involved in the passing game and is just a carry monster, he's weirdly game script proof. So you're playing Derrick Henry still, but maybe don't have the expectations of an elite RB three or five this week. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I understand what your point is, but I look at Derrick Henry and the reason Tennessee beat Buffalo last year was because Derrick Henry had his huge runs. You know, 75 already broke off. He had a huge game versus Can't Buffalo. Do this offensive line, though. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's really different from last year's offensive line? Saffold. That's a big difference. That is a big difference. Now, Saffold was hurt earlier in that game. I'm not sure it was definitely the Buffalo game, but he was hurt earlier in the season, so I have to go check that you know, for sure. But I do know that you know he was basically the reason they were able to beat the Buffalo Bills. You can't run the Bills. It's just Rams, you know, don't have a good offensive line at all. <laughs> Unless you're named the Rams. Uh, let's talk about our lock them in wide receivers. I got Marquise Brown and I got Gabriel Davis. I want to talk about Gabriel Davis because he's like, he's like, he's like my child. He's 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 the guy who makes me feel good. He was my hero. He's my wide receiver 14 this week. Uh, Gabriel Davis, you had to play him last week. If there was any questions, not that I had any, because I know some people did. If there's any questions about Gabriel Davis and how good he was, I think it was answered last week. I like it against Tennessee. He's going to be a wide receiver, too, for me every single week, at least. Yeah, I mean, when I watched Sterling Shepard coming basically fresh off of injury and scoring 70-yard touchdowns, runs versus Tennessee secondary, then I'm probably going to start a guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then how about Marquise Brown, wide receiver 15? I know he didn't have like the huge prolific game everybody was hoping for. Still walked away with a nice floor with a touchdown. Nice matchup versus the Raiders. The secondary is definitely questionable at best. And Zach Ertz should be healthier, which I think is actually going to help Marquise because it's going to take a little bit of tension off of him, help open up some things. Marquise, I love the back, love this week. Well, it's funny. You get to you get to the tight end. You get to Zach Ertz. He's also a lock him in for me. He's a top ten play at sitting at nine, along with Dallas Goddard of these matchups, sitting at tight end eight. Yeah, I mean, basically for me, as long as DeAndre Hopkins is out, Ronald Moore's out, the guy who they look for the most in the red zone, particularly Kyle Murray, is going to be Zach Ertz. He was. I mean, I would say on half a leg 
last week and still scored and still a touchdown. Scored a touchdown. That was, it was so, unbelievable. He looked yeah. like he literally limped into the end zone <laughs> to score that touchdown last week. Got got targeted a two point conversion as well. He's obviously the guy they look for. Kind of the James Conner of their offense in the passing attack. He's gonna get that touchdown. Somewhat. It could be ugly, but he's gonna probably score one way or another. Zach Ertz to me is a must start in your lineup. And I want to add this about Dallas Goddard. Look, everybody's like wondering, like, oh, Devonta Smith, he was a zero last week. Look, I think there's a real chance Dallas Goddard's going to be the number two pass catcher for the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility over Devonta Smith. I don't argue that strongly. I have a concern. Will that second pass catcher be somebody that you can bank on, period? Because Jalen no, Hurst, not, as you voted to, was kind of, you know, poor at best. The quarterback definitely going to run the ball more than probably going to throw the ball. And A.J. Brown seems to just get the ball all the time. <laughs> All right, that does it for our lock of ins. Let's talk about our lookout fours for these matches. Look out for. Look out for Aaron Rodgers. So you started him last week. You drafted him to be a low end QB1, a guy you could get late. And look, he does make my top 12 if, if Alan Lazard plays. If Lazard does not play, even though it's against Chicago. I'm still not going to try to start Aaron Rodgers. Again, I talked about it with the mid-level or RB2s that are Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in my book. I think they're going to lean on the running backs here to be the savior of the day for their offense. If Lazard plays, Rodgers will be fine as a top 12 play, at 12 exactly. But otherwise, look, I don't care how great you are. If you got no one to throw the ball to, you don't got much of a ceiling. I hear you. I'm going to be more bullish than Aaron Rodgers because they're playing who again? Chicago. Chicago. Who does Aaron Rodgers own better than anybody? I don't care if he's throwing into my grandmother out there. Aaron Rodgers owns Chicago. He walks off the game saying, I own you. He'll do it again no matter what. Even if the next the Green Bay is going to be back necessarily, or offense is going to be back, I think he could be Green Bay. In his, I mean, he could be Chicago in his sleep. Aaron Rodgers is going to have my love. Those of you who are not watching on YouTube, I just did a little dance. And, uh, we, of course, we're doing the show during Thursday Night Football, and Josh Palmer just got a touchdown, and I have him in a lot of leagues, and I called him his top 24 receiver. So I'm doing a little dance. Thank you, Josh Palmer. Uh, getting back to what we're actually talking about here, though. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, yes, top 12. The other guy I'm looking out for, though, is Kirk Cousins. So I do think Kirk Cousins, more times than not, will be a top 12 quarterback. But for this week, he's at 13. So I'm looking for other options to start. He is a top-end streaming option if you have no one else to go to. I think he has a safer floor. In fact, I think he has a safe floor all year long as long as Justin Jefferson is going to get used the way that he is. I do think the Eagles' defense is better than what they showed against Detroit. It's Monday night football. I don't know if I feel comfortable playing Kirk Cousins in a primetime game. I did not know it was Monday game. I didn't click for me. So that actually changes what I was about to say because I like Kirk Cousins <laughs> versus the Eagles, but absolutely Kirk Cousins prime time. It's just like, you know, get Superman with kryptonite. So I am probably going to avoid that as well. I like your ranking. I'll stick with it. <laughs> changes his mind on the fly. I like it. Uh, let's go to our lookout for running backs. I got Miles Sanders coming in at RB25. He was efficient. He even scored, Chris. He's like the Jacoby Myers of... Wide of running backs, he finally scored last week, but so did Boston Scott, so did Kenneth Gangwell. And something about that just kind of like ruined the touchdown when it came to Miles Sanders for me. He's still an RB25, just outside my top RB2, because they're going to get Gangwell involved. They're going to get Boston Scott involved. And while it's not a lot, it's just enough to be annoying. I'm going to play him as a flex, but I can't play him any higher than that. He's not always going to be a must play. No, but I think what you saw, you're very you're definitely pleased. You realize he probably locked in as an early down back at least. 
you do a little disappointed of kind of these other guys getting their opportunity to score touchdowns. But as you alluded to, he did score one, which last year was the most impossibility for him to do. Well, since Scott, everybody else had a kind of a role to do other than Miles Sanders to score the touchdown. So at least he gets an opportunity to be out on the field, had his chance to kind of score one. And game well, and, you know, uh, Scott didn't score this later on the game. It was kind of a weird Luke Kelly. Everybody had a chance to score a touchdown. But Miles Sanders, to me, was I was very excited. What I saw, I've heard nothing but great things about him running the ball. Uh, catching the ball has been a problem for him these offseason. But running the ball, he's looked great. So I, I continue to have him in my lineups. The other, the other uh, lookout for for me is Josh Jacobs. And I actually have him as a top 12 running back this week. That's right. You heard that right. He's a top 12 running back for me, sitting at 12. Last week, he was kind of he kind of got the Zeke treatment. He was efficient, didn't get a lot of touches. But I think the game plan for the Raiders heading into that game against the Chargers was that they wanted to throw the ball and try to go score for score with their pass catchers. Arizona, even if J.J. Watt returns, which he may this week, is still a terrible run defense. I'm giving Josh Jacobs the benefit of the doubt, which he's looked good last week. I think he can be a very good running back. I think he gets in the end zone at least once in this game. Yeah, you kind of talked about everybody ate out of the backfield for the Eagles. Well, guess what? Everybody ate out of the backfield for Kansas City last week as well versus Arizona sure team. Too. You had everybody score a touchdown. Clyde Edwards Hilaire could have had like a career day if he would have played more than two quarters, basically. He was on his way, scored an early touchdown, catching the ball out of the backfield, ran effectively. This the defense is really going to struggle versus the run. So I agree with you. And and can we just kind of also hit the, you know, exactly the days of Josh Jacobs being dead where people are just kind of assuming they know what's going to happen in LA? I'm not lost, I guess I'm sorry was definitely wrong. Uh, Josh Jacobs is the most talented backfield in there, as you kind of talked about. And as long as he kind of has a role, why are people trying to just write him off this season? White is not part of their equation. I'm not worried about bold. I'm not worried about Abdul still in his early downs. So Josh Jacobs has a more, more, actually a safe opportunity to be a consistent guy to have in your lineup this week. Absolutely. Let's go to our wide receivers. A look out for wide receivers. Darnell Mooney, number one, came in at my wide receiver 30 for me this week against the Green Bay Packers. Part of it's because I expect the Chicago Bears to have to be coming back from behind. So I do think he's still a safe floor wide receiver three. And even in a terrible weather game against a good defense, I did bother me a little bit that they tried to get Equinomius St. Brown involved just as much. They tried to get Dante Pettis involved just as much. And I'll also tell you what else bothers me. I think that Green Bay defense is going to have a little bit of a bounce back after what happened with Minnesota last week, too. Chicago Bears might be running into a buzzsaw on Sunday night. I'll tell you what also bothers me is, yes, you just lose to their defense. Uh, I don't think Gerald Zalander is going to be standing there playing zone defense versus Chicago team. Yeah. And if they put him on Mooney, it's over. Mooney couldn't beat, you know, coverage versus 49ers. So we talked about how horrendous that was. They couldn't contain you know, Austin Pettis and St. Brown. Uh, I'm a little bit worried, and I'm not as confident in Mooney as you are. I think Mooney could actually get shut out again this week because he's going to have a, a tough matchup. Look, ultimately, I'm counting on garbage time points to make him a wide receiver three. Because if they're going to have to lean on him, and I th- I do believe he's still head and shoulders the best wide receiver, so I have to believe the volume is going to come, but it might not come till the fourth quarter. It's going to be ugly to watch. That's why I don't want to watch this on Sunday night, but he still has to come in at wide receiver 30 for me. Lazard, on the other side of that, if he plays and he's practicing limited capacity both yesterday and today, wide receiver 24 for me. After watching the Green Bay Packer receivers and how bad that was and how desperate Aaron Rodgers is to get somebody that he can trust out there on the field. If Lazard plays, talk about a bet that I want for a touch anytime touchdown on DraftKings Sportsbook. That's the guy. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the safer floors you could have in your life. You're absolutely right. I think you know, worst case scenario in a sense is he goes out there and just catches a touchdown pass. 
best case scenarios, he shows his receiver one in that offense. And as I alluded to earlier, I think Aaron Rodgers owns Chicago defense. So why not number one receiver and versus Chicago? And then my last lookout for wide receiver of this group is Adam Thielen. He's so tough to rank. He really is. And the reason why he's so difficult to rank is because, well, if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's going to totally bust. But if he does score a touchdown, he's likely to finish as a wide receiver too. I got him at wide receiver 29. I'm trying to split the difference. I don't believe that Justin Jefferson is going to you know, get double-digit targets and everybody else gets nothing every single week. But it's tough with that I'm dealing. Yeah, I'm a little more confident than maybe. I, I understand the tactical toughness, but you know, I think that there's going to be an effort on the Philadelphia once again, as we talked about, is actually the guard, Justin Jefferson. He's not going to be wide open all the whole game. I think Anthony was definitely talked about being involved a lot in this offense, that people liked what they saw out of him over all of camp. Um, just you didn't really see it week one because you didn't have to. <laughs> How about look our lookout for a tight end? So Dawson Knox who is one of my busts for the preseason draft process. He actually comes in a tight end 13 for me this week. He's a little bit, he's a little bit higher. They did give him a big contract extension, which does lead me to believe that the plan is to utilize him in some form of fashion. I would have to imagine the slot receiver position for the Buffalo bills is still getting itself worked out. It's clear the platoon between Crowder and McKenzie in a weird way. I think that can open up some opportunities for Dawson Knox here against Tennessee, but like every other high-end tight end, too, he's touchdown or bust. And I got 12 tight ends in front of him, which means you probably have a better option to go to. Yeah, you might have better options, and this might be more of a gut call, but I'm going to go with that. I think he's going to have a nice week this week because I think Ken Dorsey's going to make an effort to make sure that he gets involved. You saw a huge effort at Buffalo last week trying to make sure everybody got kind of their touches or opportunity, except for him. I think he's going to be the guy who kind of gets featured more this week as a result. The other guy I want to look out for is Robert Tunyon, and not necessarily for this week. He comes in my my tight end 21 for this week, so I'm not going to play him in a regular 12-man league. But again, this goes back to my Lazard take of Rodgers looking for targets he can trust. If Tunyon, who played a decent amount in week one, and that's kind of more of the factor on him right now is how much is he playing, not necessarily how much is he producing. If he's able to play more moving forward, I kind of like Robert Tunyon possibly being a nice little play, a nice little pickup throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, this guy was double digit touchdown scorer two years ago. Uh, one of the guys that Aaron, you know, Aaron Rodgers, like you alluded to, has comfort throwing to the ball, too, especially in the red zone. There's some sneaky upside opportunity for him, particularly if the receivers don't kind of pan out. Uh, we kind of thought they might. Let's get to our be cautious of. Be cautious of. Shocker. Be cautious of Ryan Tannehill. Don't want to play him against Buffalo. He's my quarterback, 24. And be cautious of Justin Fields. Don't want to play him against Green Bay. Now, him, we got to talk about a little bit. Yes, he has the rushing floor to go along with him, and he's a quarterback running for his life back there. There's, there's no question about it. But I don't love this matchup here against Green Bay. I think there's going to be a lot of turnovers, a lot of sacks. Yeah, not a great upside for him. I hope to see him run a little bit more as well. He didn't run that ball quite as much last week um, as we kind of heard all offseason how they're going to feature him in the running attack. But I think this is a decent matchup. If you have better options, definitely play him. But he's not a bad guy because he has a decent floor because of the legs. Now, the only group that I'm avoiding completely at the running backs for this group is is, is Buffalo, which should be obvious. Now, I have to say that with a caveat. So Devin Singletary still came in with me at RB36. There's a reason for that. I expect Buffalo in the fourth quarter to be up two scores in this game. Devin Singletary will be the guy to close out the game in that scenario. So he just makes the top 36 for me. 
But really, this is a three-man committee. If I can avoid it, I will. I think it's a two-man committee, um, but I also think well, it's something it could I don't... be a three-man committee at some point, yes. Yeah, I don't think that it's going to be something that necessarily, you know, you're going to ride every week. But this week, I kind of like it because I also looked at, you know, I know Saquon looked great and looks like he's back, but as I alluded to, Shepard had a big play, Saquon had a big play. This Tennessee defense might not be tackling too well right now, so if a guy who can run the ball gets some volume like you're talking about, Devin Singletary has a chance to have a bigger game versus defense, so I like his upsides. How about our be cautious of wide receivers? Top of my list, Devonta Smith. He comes in at wide receiver 55. He was a bust guy for me in the pre-draft process for fantasy football, and the big reason is this. I did not believe that the Eagles were suddenly going to be this open it up, let's throw it all around offense when they found an identity that got them to the playoffs last year. And if you're going to be a run-balanced team at the very least, and you have A.J. Brown, I don't think this offense can consistently can sustain a second fantasy-relevant pass catcher. Yeah, I'm not a Sirianni fan, particularly one of the play calling involving in multiple pass catchers as you're alluding to. So I'm. it's sad because I think this is a really good player, and any other coordinator probably could figure out a way to use him, but in Eagles, he's basically going to be wasted. And I got my, like I said, I'm always here 55. I'm not playing him. Uh, and honestly, if he, if he comes out with another bad game, he might be a droppable player for me, too. Another guy I'm avoiding, Hunter Renfro, wide receiver 45 for me this week. I avoided him last week. It's the right call. I'm avoiding him again this week. Derek Carr has goo goo eyes for Devontae Adams. Darren Waller. We know with the contract extension and his play for last week, he's still going to be featured within this offense. That leaves kind of, that kind of leaves out Hunter Renfro in my book. Yeah, I know that you're hitting Renfro. You're looking for a reason to kind of you know, pile on him. Um, but I, as you kind of alluded to, Devonta Adams basically one yard is not a reason. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it was definitely it was what he kind of started off last year. You know, Hunter Renfro didn't start the season off fantastic. Darren Waller had yeah, all those Darren targets. Darren Waller was healthy, exactly. And Darren, Darren Waller had all those targets week one, but he had the same amount of targets week two. So that's what I'm going to allude to. So there might be a little you know, change from Devonta Adams getting 35 targets in the game, and maybe somebody else can actually catch the ball in this game. They are playing Arizona, whose secondary we talked about is atrocious. It's a good sure. chance for him to have a decent game. I disagree. Uh, I'm also avoiding the Tennessee wide receivers as a whole. Kyle Phelps is already banged up after a nine-target performance. Uh, we can't play Robert Woods after he only had two targets last week, especially against the Buffalo Bills. You can't play anybody against the Buffalo Bills when you're this passing core. The only person I'm comfortable playing is Derrick Henry. But I do want to say this about Traylon Burks. I liked what I saw, especially after the catch. He looked fast. He looked strong. I think it's only a matter of time before he takes this receiving core over. Uh, I think that could definitely happen. I think he's definitely the, the big play guy of this offense. I think Phillips is going to be the guy that kind of they look for in key situations. So I think that both those guys are eventually will be the keys to their offense moving forward. This week, though, I mean, you're really big on Buffalo's defense, and I know we just saw them kind of shut down the Rams. Maybe that's partly. This secondary doesn't have Trevadius White. I know Von Miller was fantastic, but this Tennessee team was able to go blow for blow for last week, last year with this Buffalo offense and defense. So I'm not going to necessarily just write off Brian Tannehill in his passing attack. It's going to be hard to kind of guess who's going to be, but I do think there's going to be a guy that, for me, the Phillips is the safest guy because he's that you know, the volume game. That's so good without Tredavious White this year. That's the difference. We'll, we'll see that after this week because I think it'll be a more of a fair assessment. I think a lot of people are just kind of assuming what we saw after the Rams game. Um, but I do think Tennessee has a guy that can eat. Phillips, to me, is the safest play because if he is healthy, he's the guy that you kind of – even if the game gets out of control for Tennessee, they're probably going to have check down opportunities. You talk about you know, game flow, guys having garbage time points opportunity. So I'm going to catch the ball for them. 
Um, but I agree with you. It's not guy you can kind of necessarily identify easy. So I would kind of stay with the receiver core preferable. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, go to the the, uh, the Titans or the Titans, the tight ends. I'm also avoiding the Titans, tight ends. I'll Hooper, say it, though. I'll say it, I was wrong about Austin Hooper. He's still in a three man committee apparently with with Jeff Swam, who I thought was a done deal at this point that he can't play football, but. Apparently, we got to run him out there for some reason. So avoid the Tennessee tight ends. Avoid Cole Komet. Talk about a guy who, I, I, I will say this, he's another guy who didn't necessarily get the whole monsoon excuse because he zeroed people out. So he, they're a little bit harsher on him. But yeah, I'm not a fan of this passing offense of the Chicago Bears. I think, kind of like the Eagles, I think he can only sustain one pass catcher. And then I'm also avoiding Irv Smith until he's able to rid that thumb brace I just don't know how much he's going to be able to do on the field. Yeah, you talked about Adam Thielen and kind of being combustible to you. Or Smith, to me, is a guy I'm not even smelling unless I'm confident Adam Thielen can eat because how are three or four guys going to eat, particularly the tight end, who's probably all the least in the food chain of his offense? I'm not paying Irv Smith at all. Yep, totally agree. Let's hit the mailbag segment. Mail time, mail time. The mail's here. All right, as always, if you want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is hit your questions to us at BellyUpMDFF Show on social media. We'll get them to you, and we'll make sure we answer all the questions that you send us, but we'll also pick out a few of our favorite ones and put them on the mailbag segment. So first up, we got Coop. Yes, should I trade Walker, Kenneth Walker, that is, for Travis Etienne? And um, my immediate response is, especially if this is a redraft league, which I'm assuming this is, uh, yes. Yeah, I'm guessing it's not. I'm guessing this is a dynasty league because it seems like a dynasty question so. to me. And I, I'm going to say that the, I would make the ETN. I would take ETN. If it's a standard redraft league, no, no doubt you take ETN. Um, Walker, I think that you could debate whether you're going to take him, you know, what the upside is. But for me, ETN is probably the safest either way. Well, and the reason I picked out this question is because I want to elaborate this point. There's a lot of people who are hitting the panic button right now on ETN. He still played two more snaps. He was more involved. He's going to be the pass catching back. And he still got carries. It's not like James Roms is going to dominate all the carries. There was still he should have had two touchdowns in this game. He didn't. One was a bad drop. I get it. Jacksonville's going to trail more than are going to be a neutral or pro game scripts for them this year. Travis Etienne is still going to be a fantasy asset, and I still have them both as flexes for this week upcoming. So let's not panic totally on Etienne. And actually, he's a guy who went from being overhyped for me a little bit because I thought James Robinson would be a little bit more involved to a guy that I would buy low on right now if you have the opportunity to do so, especially in half-point and PPR leagues. Dan, great name, Dan. Uh, you, he asked me, start Matthew Stafford or Derek Carr. My rankings on BillionFantasySports.com will show you that I have Derek Carr at number eight and Stafford at number 10. Agree? Agree. Agree. Okay. Our last question, Matt. A.J. Dillon or Darrell Henderson in the full point PPR league? What do you think, Chris? This one was a tough one for me. I know everybody's going to want to go Henderson because of the usage. I'm going to actually go against the grand problem with A.J. Dillon. I, I alluded to this earlier. I think Green Bay owns Chicago. I think, you, as you talked about, the Green Bay running backs are going to be heavily involved in this game. Dillon has a chance to score a touchdown, has a chance to be involved in the passing attack, as you saw last week. I like A.J. Dillon. Again, I got Darrell Henderson as an RB26. I got A.J. Dillon at RB19. That should give you the answer for me. That does it for the show. Guys, we're going to be back tomorrow with the DFS and sports betting show of the week, the NFL pick betting of the show of the week, Cashing Friday, baby. Chaz Florida will be back with us on the show. 
And I know I talked yesterday that I didn't know if I was going to be on the show or not. I am going to be on the show tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern, live on our YouTube channel and on bellyup.tv. Make sure you check us out then. We're going to try to win you guys some money, and we'll talk about our DraftKings contest and our Flex Fantasy contest we have going on for, I actually have it right here, for the John Randall jersey giveaway for September. So find out tomorrow how you can win that, and you'll be able to participate, have some fun, and we'll give away some prizes at the end of the month. So everybody, come back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show tomorrow at 10 p.m. We'll see you then. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.